Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Well, good morning, guys. It's good to see you here this morning. If you don't know who I am, it's been a while since I've been over to the West Monroe campus. I'm Jason McGuffey, and I serve you guys at this church in the role of the Calhoun campus pastor. And so they allowed me to come from the west part to the mid part of the parish this morning uh, to be with you guys, and I am so excited to be here. It's always good to come here and to visit and to fellowship and to, and to receive encouragement from all of you guys. Uh, God's doing a great work out at Calhoun. Um, he's moving in big ways, and you can be thankful for what God is uh, what he's doing out there in Calhoun as we experience his moving, his hand, his presence there. And so from Calhoun to here, I can just say good morning from those folks out there. Uh, but if you have your Bibles with you, let's just go ahead and get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As you're getting to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just let me remind you of a couple of things that are vitally important to our journey through this book. Now, here's what you know at this point. Hopefully, y'all know this at this point. If not, you are 12 chapters behind because we've been going through this book for months now, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, section by section. And, and what we've done on this whole journey is this. We have addressed those texts that are somewhat hard to tackle. We have addressed those portions of scriptures that a lot of times we may would dodge or not necessarily pick for a message. But what you do when you go through verse by verse and chapter by chapter and all these things is you have to address all of the of the scripture. You have to address all of the Bible. And because of that, that makes us, um, it just makes our minds open, our hearts open to receive what God has for us as we put forth the effort to go verse by verse through 1 Corinthians. Now, just for my mind's sake, allow me to repeat something that I repeat every week in this moment. I'm sure that you've heard something like this, but Paul is writing to the Corinthian church in about 54 AD. So a long time ago, a long time ago, Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church. Now what we've learned so far is, how amazing is it that God's word written so long ago hits us so many times right between the eyes in our daily life. It's amazing how God's word is not confined by time, isn't it? And so, so long ago, Paul is writing to a group of the believers, church members, just like us. And so what he does in the first six chapters or the first five chapters, he's writing in response to things that he had been told about. So somebody approached him and said, hey, here's what's going on in the Corinthian church, and I need you to speak to it. And so that's what he does. Beginning in chapter 6, he is responding to things that he has been asked about. Okay, so, so that helps paint a whole idea in our mind. And so in these next chapters, these next scriptures here, uh, Paul is responding to things that he had been asked about. Now, if you can remember last week, I hope you can, because it's vitally important to this morning. Last week, Paul lays the foundation for the next two or three chapters, but especially the content of this week's sermon. He, 
He begins like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. He says, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. And so he's speaking here in context of spiritual gifts. If you look back up to verse number 1 of chapter 12, here's how he begins. Look closely in your Bibles. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, so Paul kind of turns the page here, and he's allowing our minds to get where they need to go, and he's confirming how God works in verse number four, that there are, in fact, gifts, but they're all different. There are, in fact, things or ministries are all different, and there's some different activities, but they all come from the same Lord. And so all of this is is hugely important in what God is doing in the church at Corinth, especially through the words of the Apostle Paul. And so if you have your Bibles open, skip on down to verse 11. All of this is from last week, but guys, it's so vitally important that we not miss it here. So verse 11, one and the same spirit is active in all of these and doing what? Out loud distributing to each person as he wills. Now, here's where we get super confused, and here's where we get kind of um, maybe down a little bit on ourselves or discouraged because here's what we find ourselves doing all the time. Man, if I just had what they had, right? If I was built like him, man, I could do so much more for the kingdom. Well, if I was built like him or her and I had their intellect or, or their skill or their speaking ability or their platform or their talent, I could do so much more. But this verse brings us back down that we can drive a huge peg in our life to say that God gave me what he wanted me to have. Right? Not what I prefer, not the opinion, but God gave me what he wanted me to have. Now concerning spiritual gifts, God gave you what he intended for you to have. And so Paul lays this idea out in such a wonderful way that this side of the room is not the same as that side of the room. And the balcony is not the same as the floor. We are all grossly but, but different, and that's okay because God made us exactly like he wanted to. Everybody okay so far? Okay, a couple of y'all are. Um, if you have your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12 here, skip on down there to verse number 12. Uh, this morning, I'm going to read a lot of Scripture. It's, it's going to be on the screen, and I want you to do your best to hang with me because pa- Paul now, after he's laid the foundation, he is, he, he is about to start allowing our minds and hearts to be expanded on what this means, that we're all different, but God has something in mind. We all play a part in God's design, although we do not have the same things at our disposal. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Verse number 14, watch this. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. 
If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Verse 19, and if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Verse 21. Y'all hang with me here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe, these, we, we, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together to giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then the gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have the gifts of healings, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. If you're okay, say I'm okay. That's a lot, isn't it? Man, Paul put so much here before us. I know that most of you guys have probably heard at least a portion of this text in some way or another. Maybe you have heard sermons about the body of Christ, and this is the go-to text for those type of messages or sermons. But, but by and large, most church folks, I could say that, I think with complete sincerity, have at least heard this portion. Now, Paul is painting us this idea of just how the different the body of Christ really is. And if you look around the room, we all may live in the same parish for the most part, and we all may root for the same schools and stuff like that. But if you look around, we are totally different, right? I mean, some of us are young, young. Some of us are young. Some of us are younger. Some of us are old, Er, right? I mean, I mean there's, a, there's a wide range of just age, which means that you've experienced life on all different levels, which means that we don't think the same. And that's perfectly okay. Some of you guys may live on the west side of the parish, some on the east, north, or south. That doesn't mean anything except that you happen to go somewhere different to sleep at night. Right, but we're different. Some of you may live across the river, which I've learned is a pretty big deal. I, I don't know. Um, it's just one bridge, but it's a, I see people nodding. Right? It's a pretty big deal. Monroe and West Monroe. It's like you're going all the way to Monroe. I can see Monroe from here. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. Like I can literally, okay, anyway, that's a whole other story. I can see it from right here, and it's like all the way to Monroe? <laughs> Anyway, so we're, so we're, 
we're hugely different. Some of us have a bunch of kids, some have no kids, some are married, some are not. I mean, it's just amazing how God brings all the different pieces, isn't it, of the puzzle together. But it's not about us at all. That's not why we come together. Without God's divine hand on his church, none of this would make any sense. But God does what he wills to put everybody together in such a marvelous divine way, in a way only he could, so that we can chase after the same goal. So if we can write one line down here to summarize all that Paul spoke to here, it's this. The church is one body made up of unique members designed to bring glory to God. So we're all different. We know that. And that's okay. Because the name that we come under is not my own name and it's not your name. It's the name of Jesus. And we're coming under his name to accomplish his work, to spread his gospel, to share his love. And so just because you may not be a hand or a foot or an ear or an eye, you are a wonderful part of what God has to accomplish. So own it and be it in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. If you're taking notes, here's number one right here. Three simple words. A unified body. A unified body. Paul addresses us like this in verse number 12. Watch closely. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. And so Paul is allowing our minds to see that we are made up of so many different parts and members, but we're all part of the same body. It's just like when you woke up this morning, you put a shirt on the top half and pants on the bottom half and shoes on your feet, right? We are all part of a different, I mean, we, we are all different members, part of the same body, much like your arm, your leg, your head, your eyes, and your ears. But we come under the banner in this idea of the gospel and for the Lord's work that Paul is addressing here so plainly. He says this, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. I want you to think for a second, how important is it for the church of Jesus to be in unison? How important is it for us to be unified? Think about that a second. I don't mean on every little thing or every detail. Nobody agrees on everything. But how important is it for us to come under the same name for the same cause with the same effort to win the world to Jesus? How important is it for us not to lose that perspective and that focus? It says, so also is Christ. Here's how wonderful the Bible speaks of this. In Psalms 133, it says, how delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of what? Of what? Unity, of unity. I'm sorry, I, I thought that was on the screen. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Unity. Now, the reality is this. I've already spoke to it a little bit, but I'm going to again because I think it's super important. Not everybody is going to agree on everything. Yes or no? Out loud. Yes, yes of course not. It's amazing when you talk about age gaps, preferences, opinions, wants, 
desires. Well, I think this. Well, you may think something different. Well, I was raised this way. Well, you may have been raised some different way, right? Well, I think that this is the most important. Well, I think that this is the most important. So there's no way that a group of people, regardless of the size, is going to agree on every single thing. Speaking of that, right, I've been married a long time, and me and my wife don't always agree on every single thing. That would be insane to think that two totally different people will agree on, the, on, on, on every detail every single time. And so when Paul talks like this, he's not talking about this fake harmony that we are so good at portraying, by the way. Man, we are so good at this false harmony in our lives, in our society, in our churches. We are so good at that. But the reality is, he's saying, listen, you're going to be different, and that's okay as long as you keep the most important thing the most important thing. Why? Because God's reputation is more important than our personal preferences. God's reputation supersedes all of my opinions, my wants, my desires. God's more important Well, then how, Jason, can we come together as totally different people? How can we join up together since we're so totally different? How can this happen? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul says in verse 13, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free. And we were given, and and we were all given one spirit to drink. It's amazing how Paul answers the question, isn't it? It doesn't matter how you got here. You're here now because you've been baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. In Galatians chapter 3, it says this, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in what? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. In, um, in, in, in Romans chapter 10, it says, Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, in this whole idea of the different people coming together, Paul's speaking to spiritual gifts here, but there's so much to take away. Whenever we come together, we have a banner, but I hate to tell some of us that our name's not on that banner. It's the name of Jesus. If your name is on that banner, this is a great day to get a replacement banner, right? Because you are not waving a banner for yourself or for your group or for even this church. We are waving a banner for Jesus through the vehicle of this church right? We are waving the high the name of Jesus through the groups that we're a part of. We are raising high the name of Jesus, although we're totally different, for the same common cause so that other people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's when we come together and we're welded together by that common cause, the name of Jesus. That's number one. Here's number two. Here's number two. Write this down. A unique body. A unique body. Paul says it like this in verse 14. Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But but as it is, God has arranged each part each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if 
they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is written, there are many parts but one body. Man, Paul is unpacking this reality of spiritual gifts here to the Corinthian church. And he's talking about the, 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 the huge the differences that exist. But he has confirmed more than one time that God gives. God is the one who gives as he wills to each person. That's what we see. Here's what we don't see. One person is more important than the other person. That's not what Paul says. He's not saying, hey, if you have this type of gift, you are superior to everyone else. If you have this type of context or gift, you are more spiritual than anyone or anybody else. He is not promoting a message of superiority right here other than the gospel and the work and the name of Jesus. He's not saying within the body there is superiority among you because of where you are spiritually. Guys, we are all in desperate need of God's grace on a constant time frame. We are all in desperate need of the mercies of God constantly, constantly. So how dare we think as church people, church members, the body of Christ, that we may be superior than other people? It reminds me of the scripture that we read earlier, Brad. If you're exalted by your own accord, you better be careful. You'll be humbled, right? How dare we think that we're superior? Because that's not what Paul says right here. Actually, he says this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye. I mean, I want you to just think about what he's doing right here. I woke up this morning, and I'm so thankful that I have all the parts of my body, right? I'm so thankful. And I don't mean that as a joke. I'm, I'm so thankful. It took both hands to get dressed this morning. It took both of my feet to get to my car. It took, you know, it's, and I had to hear my alarm clock. I didn't want to be late, right? I mean, so I had to see things. And so I could not imagine somebody saying, hey, Jason, I want you to tell me which one of these things that you could do without. How hard of a choice would that be? How could you ever make that decision? I depend on my feet, right? I depend on my ears, correct? I depend on my sight and my hands. I depend on all these things. So, so how could I ever choose which one is most important? That's the picture he's allowing us to see among church folks. How could we ever draw boxes around ourselves and saying, I'm waving my banner because I'm the most important. I am the most spiritual. I am superior, Paul says, no, there is not one superior other than Jesus. Every part of the body has major, major consequences in the work of God. Verse 18 says it like this. Here's the hinge on which the door swings in this portion. But, but as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. As I think about this, I've never claimed to be the smartest person in the room or the most able or have the greatest ability or skills or anything like that. So in full disclosure, just in case you were wondering, some of y'all were like, yeah, we know that. Uh, but I just thought I would share that with you because there is no way, I want you to hear my heart this morning, there is no way I would attempt to build a person in my own ability. 
knitting, knitting together all the vessels that it takes to get the blood where it's supposed to go. All the nerves knit together so that everything works like it's supposed to, to give the right proportion to arms and head and all these things and the eyesight. There is no way I would take that upon myself to try to do that. Would you? Yes or no? Of course not, because you're not able, by the way, right? I mean, there's no way that we would ever even try to tackle that because we're not able. Isn't it amazing, though, when it comes to the body of Christ that we try to do that in our own ability and we try to manufacture that and we try to build that out and we try to knit together the things that we're not qualified to knit together and we try to build the things that we're not qualified to build and we desire certain outcomes and we push our agendas to accomplish those outcomes as much as we depend on God to build us in the physical sense, church, we need to depend on him to build us out in the spiritual sense as well as the family of God, because we cannot do it on our own. There is no way that we can accomplish God's plan on our own. It's all because of him. I use this example quite often, and it's going to become even more. I try to paint this idea of how to explain this superiority complex that we walk in sometimes. And I would use two examples. One's a medical field example. One's a sports example. I'm going to go with the medical field this morning because I'm grossly underqualified to go in the medical field. Uh, I just feel like I can do that here this morning. So I want you to think about this with me, okay? If you're going in for open heart surgery, who is the most important person in the room? Out loud. The surgeon? Who would say the surgeon? All right, perfect. Okay, there's a huge majority would say, man, the doctor is super important. If I'm the patient going in for the open heart surgery, I would say that I'm probably the most important person in the room with a close tie with the doctor because he better be pretty good, right? But, but most of us would say, Brad, it's the open heart surgeon. Man, he needs to be at the top of his game. He needs to be really good. But allow me to paint you a portrait here, okay? I want you to think about that doctor. He's got a huge task in front of him. But I want you to think about the person who puts you, you to sleep for just the right amount of time and, and does not wake you up until you need to be woken up. You think about how vitally important that person is in the heart surgery moment, right? Beyond that, I want you to think about as the doctor is dialed in right here and, 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 and he is doing this impossible task. When he asks for something, somebody just reaches over and hands it to him so he don't have to break his concentration. How important is the operating room people? Very important. How important are the nurses that watch everything and that help in any way that they can to make that a successful heart surgery? How important are the nurses? I would say very important, wouldn't you? How important are the people that early morning when you showed up at the hospital, like eight hours before time, right? How important are the people who get you through that paperwork process that, that gives you an armband, the most expensive bracelet you've ever had in your entire life? How important are those people that they have all the information correct? That's pretty important, Miss Ann. Wouldn't you agree? How about this one, though? How important are the people who clean the operating room? How important? Because without those people, man, that could be a disastrous experience. So here's what we do, Corey. We say, man, the heart surgeon, 
Oh, yeah. Heart surgeon is the most important person in the room. And I would say he's <laughs> vitally important to the process. But as the body of Christ, so is the operating room, right? Not everybody is called in this area. Stop wanting what you want and be content in what God's built you for, right? Church, stop wishing, man, if I was just an open-heart surgeon, I could save somebody's life. No, if you were just content and faithful and obedient as the person who cleans the operating room, you just provided the most success possible for that person to experience new life. I could go to a sports example. Who's the most important person on the football field? It's the quarterback. Is it? Because the offensive lineman would argue with that. Right? The coach may argue with that. The fans may argue with that. The people who cheer may argue with that. The band, the, the, the band folks may argue with that. The point I'm trying to make right here is every piece of the puzzle matters for the desired outcome to be achieved. That's the point I'm trying to make. And I really believe with my whole heart that is what Paul is doing right here. How dare we think any part of the family of God is of less value than another part when God gives as he wills and as he plans. Here's the third thing. It's going to be short, I promise. I know some of y'all are already looking at your watch. I'm almost done. A dependent body. We are a dependent people. Now, most of us, even this morning, somebody asked me, hey, do you need any help? No, I'm fine. I got it. <laughs> most of us operate as independent people. We don't like asking for help. We don't like to bother people. That's how we explain our pride and our egos. <laughs> well, I hate to inconvenience somebody. No, you just hate to ask for help, right? Because we operate in an independent mindset. But church, I'm telling you, as believers, as the body of Christ, we are totally 100% dependent on the Lord and on each other. And some of us in this room need to get the memo today. Not only are you dependent on the Lord, but you're totally dependent on each other by the way the Bible explains this group of people. Because not everybody can do everything. It takes all of us to do one thing, right? So I depend on you and you depend on me to accomplish this task that God has before us. And you depend on her in order to accomplish this huge task that's put before us. And so in reality, we are an extremely dependent body. Some of us need to realize that this morning, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through the end. I'm not going to read it all, but if you look at verse 21... The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. He goes on here in verse, verse 25. So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Man, Paul paints this far so clearly, doesn't he? We are so dependent on each other. Yes, we're dependent on the Lord. Absolutely. That's where our soul dependence lies. But the way he built his church 
Different members, different people, different skills, different abilities, different gifts, different ministries, different activities, but all the same God. The way that he's built us, we are highly dependent on each other. Not in a superior type complex or way, but in a co-laboring way. And God's called us to such a monumental task. And it takes every part of the body in order to pull this work off. Most of us in this room, I know I do, I want my body to function like it's supposed to. I think we all want to do that. We want it to function like a well-oiled machine. Some of y'all's oil needs changing probably at this point. But, but, but nonetheless, we want our bodies to be these well-oiled machines, right? Nothing to be wrong. We don't want to have a headache even. We don't want to feel bad. We don't want to be under the weather. We want to function at 100% all the time. That's what we desire. But that's not always the case, is it? Your body tells you when there's something off. Your body lets you know when there's something wrong, inside or out. I have gotten to the age now where I go to bed okay and wake up hurt. Can anybody relate to that? You don't know what you did during the night. Maybe your spouse is abusive. I don't know. Uh, I think my wife beats me in her sleep. I don't know what's happening, but I wake up. I can't hardly move, and all I did was sleep, man. I, I don't understand. So you wake up, you got a kink somewhere, you know what I mean? Something's not quite right, but, 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 but your body tells you. And it doesn't matter if it's your leg, hip, shoulder, head, sinuses, it tells you. It tells you when something's not quite right. It's amazing how God builds us, isn't it? Even the parts that you don't ever think about cross your mind all of a sudden when something's wrong. I don't wake up every morning saying, man, I'm glad my heart's beating, right? Man, I'm glad that my mind's doing what it's supposed to. I'm glad my lungs didn't turn off during the night. I'm glad that everything's doing what it, I, I, I don't always think like that. But aren't you thankful that God has put us together in a way that when our bodies work, they can do what they're supposed to do? And Paul says here, how dare we say, I don't need you. I don't need you. I know this is going to appear like a joke, but I'm trying to make a huge spiritual point. So just hang with me right here. I can't tell you the last time I went to bed at night and prayed, thanking God for my pinky toe, Miss Abby. I can't, I, I can't remember the last time. I said, Lord, I am so thankful that you gave me that number five on my right and left foot, that little bitty one, right? I'm so thankful. But you walk through the house at night and kick a chair, coffee table, or something, and you realize just how important that small toe is, right? As is the body of Christ. Think about that with me. I know that's a terrible analogy in a sense. But some of us are living in this false reality that we've manufactured and built that says, I'm not that important. I'm just not that important. Nobody even knows I'm here Maybe you feel like a pinky toe. I, I, I don't know. But God put that pinky toe there for a reason, right? God built us exactly how he wants us in the physical sense, also in the spiritual sense. In 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore encourage one another and build up each other as you are already doing. In Romans chapter 12, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
Hebrews chapter 10. We always read verse 25, but I want to back up and read verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's Paul saying to us today? His message was clear to the Corinthian church way back then. He's speaking about the variety and the different gifts and how all of them play a major role in church life. And I would say that we could bring that from the Corinthian church into our church, how, how our gifts come together and they weld together for God's glory. There's not a superior gift. There's not a more spiritual gift. God gives as he wills according to his plan. I think we can bring that over for us today. But I would also say this, man, what biblical truth is right here for us today? Some of you have been in church a long time, and all you've done is wish that you were somebody else. Man, I wish I could sing like that. I'm going to tell you, I do too, by the way. I wish I could sing. Man, just because you can't sing doesn't mean that God can't use you. Man, I wish I could teach. If I could teach, I could make a huge difference within this church. Well, you may not be gifted as a teacher. What are you built for? Right? What are you built for? Well, I wish I was one of the pastors on staff. I could really make a difference. You'd be surprised how much of a difference that you, you can make not being on church payroll. Who has God built you as? What has God built you for? There's this lie that so many believers believe, and it's from the mouth of the devil. That if you're not the heart doctor, then you don't really matter. Maybe that's a terrible example. Maybe that don't make any sense to you. Somebody will explain it to you later if you're having trouble with that. Maybe you're not the quarterback on the football team. Therefore, you're not that important. Man, it's easy for us to get discouraged, isn't it? It's easy for us to get beat down if we live in that mindset. Superiority is not the order of business here today. It's submission and obedience and faithfulness to a holy God. Church, I'm telling you, I'm thankful that we're different. Can you imagine everybody being like me? Can you just imagine that? I mean, there'd be no hope. Amen? I mean, I'm so thankful that there are people in my life that are the complete opposite of me. Because God places them there to help me, to sharpen me, to see things that I miss and to hear things that I miss. Aren't you thankful that you're not just like your spouse? How interesting would that marriage be? Right? Be thankful this morning that God built you just the way that you are. And he's knit us together as the family of God. All different members. But guys, we are in the same boat, rowing in the same direction, chasing after the same purpose that not a person would miss what salvation is. Not one person. Not one person. I want you to do me a favor this morning. I want you to make your way up on your feet. And, and as you do that, I want you to bow your heads. I'm not quite finished yet. I know we're close. And I'm close, I promise. But I think this is so vitally important this morning. 
Some of you guys in the room, maybe you're watching online, so under the sound of my voice, or you're watching on some screen somewhere. Some of you have wondered your entire life, man, what is my worth? What is my purpose? Nobody even knows I'm here. Nobody cares. A lot of times I just feel like that small toe until something bad happens. I want to encourage you today. And God knows exactly who you are. God built you exactly the way that he wanted you to be. And he built you with a purpose. I want you to listen closely to what I'm fisting to say. That reaches all the way to heaven. Stop wishing that you were somebody else and be confident in who God's called you to be and who he's built you to be. If you're here this morning and you don't know what it means to be a part of the family of God, it doesn't matter what the Corinthian church was. It's important, it's important about who they became. And the way that they became was they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Greek, slave or free. We were baptized in one spirit, right? Under the banner of Jesus Christ. If you've never put your faith in Jesus today, man, how encouraging is it to know that he gave his life for you so that you may live? If you've never done that, what a day to do it. And to come into this body of Christ as yet another member. Totally different than the rest of us, but wonderfully made by Creator God. Guys, we live in a world that promotes all kinds of things. And one of those things is worth and identity. This is the last thing I'm going to say, especially to the young folks in the room. Your worth and identity is found in Jesus. Not in things, not in the number of friends, the number of likes. Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to be exactly who you are in my name and through my name. I'm going to build you for such a greater purpose than anything this world can bring. When we grab that right here and right here, man, it changes everything we say. It changes everything that we do. Lift high the banner that's got the name of Jesus on it this morning. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray for us, and then we'll close out. Lord Jesus, this morning, I am so thankful for your word. God, the ways that it speaks to us today, real time. God, I'm thankful that you did, in fact, do what you did on the cross for us to be a part of this family of God. God, I pray that we would realize that your reputation and your name is worth far more than what we desire or want, our preferences. God, I pray that we would hold tight to the fact that you have built us just the way that you want us for such a time as this and for a purpose that's greater than anything we could ever imagine. 
God, I pray that this may be the day of salvation for somebody in the room that's been looking for purpose and identity and they've been wondering about their worth and all of those things. God, I pray you'd speak to their hearts in a marvelous and mighty way. God, for your church, the believers this morning, help us be confident, not in our own ability, but in your design for our life. Help us stop wishing we were something and help us be grateful for what we are. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are in us. Jesus, we love you today. And we're so thankful that you loved us first. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318-322-5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.